Father, thank you so much that you hear us when we cry to you. Thank you for your concern for your people. We bring you our offering now, Lord, as a token of our gratitude for all that you give to us, all that you are to us. We pray that it will be used in ways that honor you and please you. Father, we just take this moment to pray for Nick and Chris's baby and ask you, Lord, that um, she would be strong and able to leave the hospital. Pray that everything will go well for them. Thank you for this new baby born to them. Father, we offer you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I just wanted to say something about this, uh, this coming week of prayer. And um, uh, you should have, we're not quite sure if people have received, have people received this? Some people will have received the prayer calendar for this coming uh, month. Um, as you'll see, it's a new look style. And um, hopefully that's going to help you in praying for one another over the next month. But you'll notice also that we, we put in there what will be the subject for or what we're gathering to pray about each Sunday evening. That's in there as well. So you have some idea before you come. And the lead, th this evening, it's the lead into this week of prayer. We call it three days of prayer, but actually it's a week of prayer. And just to say that what we, what, what we suggest is that tomorrow you set aside some time at some point during the day for personal prayer, a special effort. I know you probably pray every day, but just to give some time, particularly to praying about the church and your part within the life of the church. And on Tuesday, um, we're encouraging the life groups to, to pray, to spend some time praying together more than anything else that they do that evening. So um, I think I'm going to try and get out to you some, perhaps a few sort of guidelines in that respect for Tuesday evening. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so we meet here um, at three times each day. So half six to half seven in the morning, one to two at lunchtime, and then eight to nine in the evening. Um, we, st we stick strictly to the starting times, and never quite sure if they can finish then on time, but we hope to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those for those three days. Realize that that's an extra commitment for you this week, but we just feel it's really important for us at the beginning of this year to commit to God uh, this, this body of his people and the things that we do in his name. So I'd just like to encourage you to be part of that, really be part of that, and let's ask God that over these coming weeks he'll be speaking to us as a church and giving us vision, setting the course for these coming weeks and months. That's me done. Thank you, Chris. Great, we're going to have a look at God's Word together now. Um, so if you have a Bible, um, you might like to turn to the book of Habakkuk, uh, which is one of the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, you can pop your hand in the air uh, and someone will bring you one. And to be honest, maybe more than usual, it's not as necessary today because we're looking at one verse as our anchor and it's going to come up on the screen. Um, but if you would like a Bible, uh, you're more than welcome to grab one and turn to Habakkuk and uh, then, uh, then that would be 
Great, you can, uh, you can look together with it at the verse that's already up there. Uh, Habakkuk 2, 2, uh, and uh, that's kind of going to be an anchor for us this morning. Uh, it's the turn of the year, which won't have escaped you. We've said it many times already, and, uh, and you will know it because you will have celebrated it in your own way. Uh, who's eaten all of their Christmas leftovers already? Who's still got some left? There you go, more than other people. Um, So that's great, but New Year is here, 2015 is here, and uh, actually, if you think about it, there's nothing different about January 1st than December 31st. They're the same thing. The same thing has happened that happens every single day that rolls on to another day. Uh, And every single day, we can take a particular moment to think and reflect about what's been and what will come. That's something that we can do all the time. And as Christians, we should be doing that regularly. We should be reflecting on what God has done for us, and we should be looking ahead at what God is doing and what we ask that he will do um, amongst us as individuals and also as a people. But it's still not a bad thing to use this calendar that revolves around our Saviour Jesus to take a moment as we roll into a new year to stop as individuals and also as a church and to ask some questions, to ask about what God is doing amongst us, to take maybe some special time that we don't take at other points in the year too, as we are doing this week, pray together and ask God to help us and to guide us. And over the last few months in particular, as um, I've taken on this role here at the church, I find that my foremost prayer is one of asking for wisdom. One of the most encouraging um, verses from the Bible for me is from James, where it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask for it. I find that incredibly encouraging. Wisdom, a a gift from God, a a revelation, some support, some guidance, some help from the creator of all things. I, I found myself asking for that a lot recently. And what I found is that as God gives us wisdom and as God gives us revelation, what often follows is faith is action, is actually doing something. Because I believe when there is a revelation from God, when wisdom comes from God, when vision comes from God, it's so that his people may act. It's so that we might move forward. It's so that we might do something with what God is bringing to us. Even if that something is nothing. Okay, so sometimes in the Bible it calls us to be still. Well, actually, you've still got to be still. Sometimes God talks to us about waiting. Well, actually, you've still got to wait. Even if the action is inaction, there's still something we have to do. When God's wisdom comes, when revelation, when vision comes from God, we step into it. We do something about it with faith because we believe God has revealed it and God is with us. And in this book of Habakkuk, we have this little verse, chapter 2, verse 2. And it's God talking to the prophet. And the prophet is in a bit of a confusing time. It's confusing what God's doing. There's difficulty, there's strife, there's hardship. He's coming to God, asking for help, asking for revelation, for vision, for wisdom. And God comes back in chapter 2 and he says this, different in different translations, but in the one I use it said this, Then the Lord answered me, write the vision, yours may say, revelation, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who hears it. Write the vision, write the revelation, make it plain so that people can see it and understand it. And as a result of that, so that people may run with it. 
that people may do something with it. That's a verse that I find encouraging. At the start of the year, I think it's good for us to ask God for revelation, for wisdom, for vision. What do you have for us this coming year so that we may run with it? And that those of us who are leaders should seek God and then try to make some of that clear and plain. Try to write some of it down, whether it be on tablets or paper or whatever, so that we may run with it well. One of my um, favourite places in the world is Niagara Falls. I'm not sure if you've ever been to Niagara Falls. It's a wonderful place. I had the privilege of living in America for about four years, and I lived very close to Niagara Falls. Well, I lived very close in American terms, which is like a four-hour drive. Uh, but in America, that's very close. And uh, that it's close enough that you might one evening say, should we go to Niagara Falls tomorrow? We'll get up early, we'll drive, we'll spend the day, then we'll drive back. That's the kind of thing that they do. And uh, so we lived close enough to it that actually I got to visit it many, many times, about, about 10 or 11 times in my life, and just love the place. One of the things I love about it is it's brilliant in every season, and, and American seasons. So in upstate New York, you have a very long winter and a very long summer and very short autumn and spring. But even in those, each four of them, each distinct season, there's something amazing about the place. Even in the winter, when everything freezes, it blows, the mist blows the trees, and they freeze in position. It's just a beautiful place to be. And I I would visit it often. And uh, if you've been there, you will know that there are many tourists, because it's a great place. But you'll also know that as you walk along either side, the American or the Canadian side, there's lots of these um, little kind of viewpoints, these little binoculars. You might have seen them somewhere else in a tourist destination where you can kind of stop and you can put in a coin and, and you can look through them and you can see something a little bit closer. And uh, I actually um, would just walk straight by these the first few times I went because I thought, I can see everything already. I can see this majestic thing. Why would I want to focus in on something smaller? But one time I went with a friend who'd been there many times before, and he said, well, well, let's stop at one of these things, put a coin in and have a look. And I said, why would you want to do that? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Why would I want to waste money first and foremost? I can see everything. And he said, no, 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 actually, if you just come over here and I'll put the coin in and I'll tell you where to look, you're going to see some really amazing things. I mean, see if you can get closer, right up to where the water just goes over the edge of the falls. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that powerful? Now pull it down. Look at the bottom. You can actually see that as the water hits the rocks, it separates into many other waterfalls. And isn't that beautiful? Actually, if you look right down at the bottom there, you can see the pools and the separate rivers that are created. And it was an amazing thing to see. Things that I'd missed completely because I wasn't focusing on them. And the fact that I'd drawn closer focus to them didn't take away from everything else that was happening. It wasn't like everything else stopped just because I was looking at something a little more detailed. It wasn't like other things stopped being important or the waterfall just stopped because I was looking at something else. Everything kept on going. It's just the greater focus that I was allowed to give to these things allowed me to see their beauty and their part in the whole. And I think sometimes God does a similar thing to his church He's doing loads of stuff, incredible things all over the world that we could never comprehend and never understand. A vast beauty that we can look at and we can marvel in. And sometimes God comes to his people and puts a coin in the machine and says, well, just at this moment, just at this time, I want to sharpen your focus in a particular area. 
I just want to draw your attention to this. I don't want you to stop doing the other things you're doing. I don't want you to stop giving importance to those other things. I just want to draw your attention to this. A, a greater focus here. We see that throughout the Old Testament with God's people, with it, throughout Jesus' teaching, when he puts his finger on someone's heart and says, this is something you've got to look at. This is something for now. We see it when Jesus speaks to the seven churches in Revelation, something different for every church. This is something I want you to think about. This is something that I think you need to look at. God speaks to his churches and says, right, for now, for this season, let's just sharpen your focus in these areas so you can see the beauty in them. And I think at the start of 2015, just over the last few months, I've been praying, the leaders have been praying, many of you have been praying in our prayer meetings and on your own and talking to us. Other guys have been involved in days of prayer and all kind of things. And I think God has been speaking to us about sharpening our focus in a couple of areas. Just at the start of 2015, looking ahead to this year and saying, right, well, in these couple of areas, let's give some time to this. We've already spoken a lot about it already this morning, and we're going to speak a bit more about it now. And I think you should have got something like this when you came in. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out. It's just something that we're giving to all of you in an attempt to write the vision and make it plain on tablets or at least pieces of cart. And this is just the points that I will go through this morning in the areas that I think God is sharpening our focus. Because God is doing this for all of us. The church is a family. All of us have to be part of responding with faith to the revelation of God. All of us have to be part of seeing it plainly and running with it, as the verse in Habakkuk would encourage us to do. And so I want to go through these things together. I want to look at God calling us to be a a people of prayer and a people on mission. And within those two things, I want to look at a few sub-points that might help us as individuals and corporately to respond to these things as we go into the year ahead. So stay with me. I'm not going to be too long. And then we're going to have time to come back to worship as we finish. First thing that I think God is calling us to be this year, as well as everything else he has always called us to be, is a people of prayer. Sharpening our focus in this area. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said to go into your room and and say these words, Our Father, who art in heaven. I think that's one of the most wonderful and life-changing things that Jesus ever said. Our Father, who art in heaven. He's saying there that you come before your Father, your Abba, your intimate God who loves you and who lives in heaven, the creator of all things, who has power and authority over everything. And Jesus also says in his teaching that this Father is a good Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So if we really believe that, if we really believe that we can come before our Father who gives good gifts to his children, who has the power and authority over everything to do all things, if we believe that prayer is the act of coming before our Father in heaven, then we must value it. Then we must prize it. Then we must prioritize it. Then we must recognize its importance individually and corporately. And we must recognize, as Jesus taught, that prayer must be at the center of our lives as individuals and as churches. That we mustn't fall into the familiar way of doing things, but in receiving revelation from God, actively pursue him in prayer. 
And so as we step into this year, we step in as a people of prayer. And Chris has already mentioned about praying to a purpose. If you were here at the start of last year, Chris uh, spoke about corporate prayer and spoke about this in a sermon that actually the early church, often when they gathered, almost always when they gathered to pray, they had a specific purpose in mind. Of course, God was with them and guided them and they prayed for other things as well. Of course, things came up while they were praying that they prayed for. But often when we read about the disciples in the early church, it said they gathered to pray that this person might be released from prison. They gathered to pray that they might have courage. They gathered to pray that many would be saved. They gathered to pray that the poor would be supported. There's a purpose. And that purpose helps us as Christians when we come together to pray. It it galvanizes us. It it sharpens our focus. It it allows us to gather with a, a greater understanding and a greater passion and maybe greater preparation on our own part. And often this purpose when we gather to pray is really big picture. It's I just want to pray that God would save people in our town. I just want to pray that God's spirit would be amongst us as a people. Sometimes it's so big picture that it's just helpful to come and then it helps lead itself. And sometimes that purpose is a little more specific. Amongst a family of people, brothers and sisters who are a church, there's always specific things that are going on. We find out about specific things that are going on in some people's lives that they need prayer and they need support for. Or we know that we as a a body are putting on an event. We're putting on the Snow Queen and we'd like to pray that 200 people would come. So we come together to pray for that and 290 come and we praise God for that next time we meet. And so praying to a purpose enables and helps us as a church that when we gather, we gather with a purpose that helps us focus sharper in on Jesus and ask him to be involved in every aspect, from the big picture to the smaller things. And we hope that this year, things like the prayer calendar, where we're letting you know a month in advance, every Sunday evening, this is what we're going to be praying for. So you can look ahead and you can say, right, okay, every Sunday evening, I know what they're praying for. I'm going to be there. Maybe you'll see it and you'll say, well, that's something I want to pray for, so I'm going to be there. Hopefully that will be helpful to you. And also, we've got to be aware that often purposes make themselves known very clearly. And as a church, I'd like it that this year, the the words that are most often on our lips are, well, let's pray for that. Maybe not in a Sunday evening 6pm prayer meeting or a Friday lunchtime prayer meeting or whatever it is that the church corporately gathers, but maybe just you in talking with the other people here. And they say, well, this is going on in my life. Maybe the first thing we can say is, well, let's pray for that. If we believe in our Father in heaven, let's pray for that. Or maybe you say, well, I find it really difficult to make it to 6pm evening prayer meetings or Friday lunchtimes I work or I've got the kids to get to bed. I completely understand that. It's a sacrifice. But what we can do is we can say, okay, I find it difficult to make those times, but when am I regularly meeting with the people of God anyway? Who am I getting together with for coffee? Who who am I meeting with throughout the week? Who do I see at lunchtime? Who, Who can I get together with this week? And we can pray together. I think that would be such an encouraging thing. If this year there are pockets of people who are saying, well, I meet this person for coffee every Thursday, let's include prayer in that. 
Let's spend 15, 20 minutes praying together for things that are going on in the life of the church. That would be a really encouraging thing. If we're identifying the purposes in our own life and praying together for those things. Praying to a purpose is really important. Also really important is that we decide to make more space for prayer. When you find something important, and you all know this, you find space for it. You make time for it. Maybe you're the busiest person in the world. You just have so much going on. But you know if you find something that you value that's really important, you're going to make space. Even in your busy schedule, you're going to make space. Maybe you were so busy, but you got something for Christmas, and you've already made space for it. You've got a present, you've got a hobby, you've got something, and you're, you're already doing it in this schedule that you thought was so full, you've already found space for it. Or maybe you find a new game on your phone, and before you never had space, but now you're playing Candy Crush till 2 a.m. in the morning. You you find space for the things that you value. And if we value prayer, we need to make space for it, individually and corporately. Sometimes a, a purpose is so clear, there's an opportunity that's so clear for God to move, to do something amazing, but we're still not very good for making space to pray for that thing. For example, right now, like Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings are the time where more of us are gathered than any other time in the week. It's when we come together as brothers and sisters to worship God and to ask him to be involved in our life. Right here, right now, is a purpose that we can be praying for. It's a time where regularly people who don't yet know Jesus come and hear the gospel. It's a time where we invite the Holy Spirit to come and be amongst us to make powerful change in our life. So if we know that this is happening every Sunday morning, we should be praying for this every Sunday morning. Making space, making opportunity for us to pray before the meeting. And we used to do that for a long time. We used to gather together before the meeting to pray together, but it, it just got pushed out, as it so often can do. And just a, a few months ago, a, a few guys were gathering to pray before the service and, and asked my permission if they could gather and pray before the service. And I felt, that's a bit of a judgment upon myself, really. <laughs> No one's praying and they want permission to pray before a service. And so those of us who are praying about these things and the leaders said, we need to be doing this. We need to be gathering before a service to pray, to make space, to ask God to be amongst us when we come together on a Sunday morning, which is why we're gathering from 9.30 every Sunday morning in the lounge and inviting anybody who'd like to come and pray with us to pray with us at that time, to ask God to be amongst us when we gather on a Sunday morning. And then during our time on a Sunday morning, when we are here, when we've come, there should be space that we can pray. Space that we can praise in worship, as we already have, but also space where we can pray for one another. You see, often we, we offer opportunities for people to respond once we've finished preaching. I, I know that that's not a very cultural thing. And so we say, hey, look, if, if you want to pray for something that's just been spoken about, you can come forward, and inevitably, no one comes forward. And that's, I think, somewhat cultural, and it's somewhat awkward, and uh, it's somewhat difficult for us to respond to. But I think also what we have to realize is that when we gather as people coming from different circumstances, every single one of us is coming from something different this morning, uh, a different home, a different family situation, a different workplace, a different school. 
We're all coming from situations where we should be desperate for prayer. We should be desperate when we come together with God's people on a Sunday morning to say, I'd just love someone to pray with me. Not necessarily about what's been preached, not necessarily about what's come out of the worship, but just because I'd really appreciate some prayer. I'd really appreciate praying about a difficulty that I've got. I've got a situation coming up this week and I'd really appreciate some wisdom and someone praying with me about that. Or maybe something's happened this week and I'd really appreciate just talking to someone about it and praising God about it. Actually being able to speak with someone and saying, God's done this for me this week. Let's, let's praise God about that together. Let's ask him to keep doing those things. That's part of normal church family life. Or at least it should be. And so we've been thinking as leaders that actually we should be making space for that on a Sunday morning. We should be making space for that to happen. An opportunity for people to receive prayer if they'd like to receive prayer. And anything that's going on in their life, good or bad, hard or a moment of praise. An opportunity to receive prayer. And so over the next three months, we're going to be trying something different to create that space. We've created a physical space. There are no chairs in the back corner of the room, just over there. I'm really sorry if you normally sat there. <laughs> yeah, I, just come and talk to me afterwards. We can go through the whole thing together. But um, it, there are now no longer chairs there. And we're going to create some time space over the next three months towards the end of our meeting. Our first set of worship might be a little shorter. Us preachers will try to be a little tighter. And so at the end, when we come back to worship God, we come back to sing songs of praise to him, there's an opportunity for people to not come to the front, because you might find that a little awkward and hard. Why not just go to the back? There'll be people there who'll be ready to pray with you, ready to talk with you, ready to speak about anything you'd like, ready to praise God with you or ask him to be with you in whatever circumstance you're going into this week. And we, each and every one of us, have to try and get over the thought that people are looking at us and that's going to be difficult and what if they think something terrible has happened. Guys, the basis of our faith is that we all need support from each other and from God. The basis of our faith is that we've all come in here in desperate need of Jesus. We need to become more comfortable with asking for that. And so, today, at the end of our time together, not every Sunday, but the vast majority of them, we all remain flexible. We want to give that space. Coming back to worship God. If you don't want to go and be prayed for, that's absolutely fine. We're going to be worshipping God. The band's going to be back up. We're going to be singing songs of praise. That's always a good thing. But maybe you want to respond. Maybe you want prayer. And that will be op- open and that will be available to everybody. Making more space as we endeavour to be a people of prayer. And responding to his voice. We believe that God's word is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing when it's prophetic. We believe in the prophetic word of God, that he would bring a a word that changes us here and now. It's why we give space in our morning meetings during our worship to say, hey, we're not just leading this up here, it's all of us. Please be involved. Do you feel like God's saying something to you for us? Please share that so we can hear it together, so we can respond to it if we need to. God's word is living and active and he speaks to us even today and now. And we believe that when we hear that, we should respond to it. Give space to saying, well, let's let's respond to that if God is speaking to us now. Much of what we do this week in our week of prayer will be saying, let's give space for God to speak. And when he does, let's respond to that. Let's step into that with faith. And of course, God's word is equally powerful 
when it's God's word. We don't need to wait for a prophetic word for God to speak in power. Every single page of this holy book is a powerful one with words that change our hearts and change our lives. Let me encourage you, when, when those of us who have the honour and the privilege to speak here on a Sunday morning are allowed to get up here and share something from this, this book, we, we pray and we ask God, what do you want to say to these people now? What do you want to say right now, right here, that will change people's lives and hearts now? We ask that God would remove our own words and replace them with his, that he might be glorified and that hearts might be changed. And so equally, as we give space just for people to be prayed for as they need to be prayed for, to praise as they want to praise, we also give space to say, well, God's word has been preached, or God has brought something to us prophetically, and so we want to give space to that. How will we respond to that? Maybe there's an opportunity to be prayed for for that as well in that corner. We need to respond to what God is saying to us. Respond to the revelation and the vision that he gives us, much as we are trying to do now, so that when it comes, we can hear it well, receive it, and run with it into the kind of life that Jesus wants for each and every one of us. So this year, we look ahead to 2015, and we endeavour to be a people of prayer. We're looking to pray to a purpose when we gather, to make more space, and to respond to his voice. These are some things that we'll be doing together at the start of this year. I'm not going to spend so much time on this second one because, uh, as you'll hear, we're going to be looking at it a lot more over the next few months. I believe God has called us to be a people on mission. Now, of course, this is a huge thing to say. It could encompass absolutely everything that we do. So let me just remind you of the Great Commission, some of the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples, that we might go into all the nations, making disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this was a commandment, a commission from Jesus for each and every one of us. Jesus was calling each and every one of us to be a disciple, first and foremost, somebody who follows after Jesus, but to be a disciple who makes disciples. To be one who looks to share the gospel in word and in deed, in everything that we do. We are to be disciples who make disciples. A people on mission. A people keen to see those who don't yet know Jesus come to know Jesus. And in order just to focus our eyes on this a little bit more, I've just got another few subheadings that I hope will help us. One way that we do that is that we make Jesus our model. Jesus is a missionary. He came from a place that was not earth to earth. He came from a culture that was not his to ours. And he lived in it. He lived the perfect life. He demonstrated the kingdom of God in everything that he did. And he did so by the power of the Holy Spirit which was within him in order to perform the miracles that he performed, but also just to have the compassion that he had, the love that he had, the grace that he had, the kindness that he had, were all in him through the Spirit of God. And he lived as a missionary, declaring another world, another way, 
to the people that he came into contact with. And that's what we're called to do. We are each and every one of us called to be missionaries, not just those of us who happen to live at WEC, not just those of us who happen to go to other nations. We are all, each and every one, called to be a missionary. The Bible says that when we are saved, we are citizens of heaven. That's our real home. That's where we're going to be. Right now, we're somewhere else. We're in the world. And we're called to live like citizens of heaven in this place. We're called to declare the good things about citizenship of heaven, the gospel, the good news of Christ in this place. We are each and every one of us called to be missionaries. And we must make Jesus our model. And what should give us great faith and great hope about making Jesus our model and looking at him and saying, I want to live like him, that's how I want to live in order to be a great missionary, is realising that he did all those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he left, he promised, I will not leave you as orphans, I will send the Holy Spirit. And he has promised that the Spirit of God lives in every single one of us, that we can ask for the courage, that we can ask for the equipping, that we can ask for the gifts that we need from the Holy Spirit of God in order to be missionaries to this world, in order to take the gospel to the people in our homes, in our streets, in our workplaces, in our schools. This is something each and every one of us can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Same compassion, same love, same justice, same grace, same kindness that Jesus demonstrated, we can have living in us. Same power to pray for people to be healed is with us. Same power to declare the gospel is with us through the Holy Spirit promised by God as we make Jesus our model. The second point within this is playing our part. Because I think what often happens when we start to talk like this is that people can get a bit stressed out. Because we have this picture of what it means to be somebody who declares the gospel. We have this picture of what it means to be a missionary. We have this picture of somebody who's evangelistic and we say, that's not me. That's not me. That's not the gift. That's not what God has given me. That's not what I want to do. But if the declaration of Jesus is that each and every one of us is disciples who make disciples, if Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us, And each and every one of us must recognise that we play a part. We play a part in this process of revealing the kingdom to other people. We play a part in this process of revealing the gospel to other people. And what should give us hope and what should give us security is that, of course, not every single one of us is going to play the same part. Each and every one of us is different. Different passions and different gifts. Each and every one of us has been placed in different streets and different homes and different workplaces. And each and every one of us has been given the things we've been given by God in order that we might demonstrate the gospel where we are. So you might not be the person who stands in front of a group of people and gives an eloquent, powerful gospel message. You may not be that person. You may be the person who invites somebody to come to that. Or you may be the person who simply makes friendships and relationships with their neighbours. You may be the person who steps out to talk to the people who never get spoken to in your workplace. You may be the people who offer a hand of kindness to somebody, who offer a hand of grace, a hand of love, or a hand of support. Whoever you are, whoever God has made you, whatever position he's put you in is an opportunity to spread the gospel with your words and with your deeds. 
And just hopefully to give you confidence, whenever I talk to somebody who's become a Christian, and I ask them, look, what, what, what led you to a decision? Somewhat, somewhat upsettingly for a preacher, almost none of them say, it was your great gospel message. It was what you said. It was what somebody said once. Almost nobody says that. People say, you know, it was because I was lonely and somebody offered me love. It was because somebody in my workplace started talking to me about Jesus. It was because my neighbours invited me around for a meal. And almost always it's because people say, I noticed that they were different. I noticed that there was something different about them. That they had a deeper satisfaction. That they had a deeper joy in their lives. That's almost always what people say. And that should be what people say. Because that's what being a missionary is. Living like a citizen of heaven with a deeper joy and a deeper love, with a love for one another and a grace to each other in this world so that people see it and give glory to God. That's what each one of us has to do, and we all have to play our part in that. And that's how people will come to know Jesus, when we're all looking to be missionaries in our own environments. And finally, preaching the gospel. Just to finish on this point, Looking back at the series in Galatians that we just looked at towards the end of last year, it's important that we as a church, in an age where it is becoming ever more difficult and ever more considered intolerant and arrogant to say that Jesus is the only way, it's really important that we continue to say that Jesus is the only way. It's really important. Not because we want to be intolerant, And not because we want to be arrogant, although we will be seen that way. There's no doubt that Jesus' claim of I am the way is exclusive. It's an exclusive claim and that's undeniable. But it's, it's not arrogant. It's not arrogant because he has the power to be the way. He's not claiming it without the power. And it's not arrogant because it's not exclusive to being closed. It's an open door to anybody who would walk in it. The way is open to each and everybody. Anyone in your life, the way is open to them. Your neighbour, your, your mum, your dad, your sister, your brother, your spouse. Anyone, the way is open to. It's exclusive, yes, but it's open to all. And we must preach this gospel into this age and into this culture in a way that is relevant, yes, but not in a way that waters it down or dilutes it. We must stand strongly for it. We must preach it even though there will be opposition. We must preach it even though there will be difficulty. And the reason is because it is the only way. Because it's the only way that any of these people are going to know the joy of Jesus and know eternal life. And just as if we really value our Father who art in heaven, just as if we really believe that, we pray. If we really believe that Jesus is the only way, And if we really believe that the only way that people will get to heaven is if they hear the gospel, see the gospel, and put their faith in it, then we must preach it. We must declare it in how we live and what we say. Just as we finish, the band's going to come back in a moment. We're going to sing a song or two of worship together. We're going to have an opportunity for you to be prayed for if you'd like to in the back corner of the room there. I just want to encourage us, New Year's resolutions can be a bit independent and almost a bit cocky. 
I'm going to lose weight. I'm not going to lose weight. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to give up this. And it's all based on our individual strength. And there's a danger that we take that into the church. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be a missionary. No one's going to be able to stop me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to be a better prayer and a better missionary. Thank God that that is not how we have to act in the church. Thank God that we realize that we can't do it on our own. That none of these statements, none of these plans are based in our own strength. They're all based in the fact that God has spoken to us and he will give us everything that we need in order to fulfill them. Thank God that we can come before him this morning and say, I want to give myself to this. I want to hear this revelation and I want to run with it. And in order to do it, Jesus, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me everything that I need as I step into this year? Would you give me the strength and the courage? Would you give me the wisdom? Would you help me run in every circumstance that I have? Each and every one of us can do that. Each and every one of us, when we trip, when we fall, when we stumble this year, when things don't look as perfect as we thought they would in the first week in January, each and every one of us can say, it's okay, his grace is enough. His grace is enough for me. That's what sustains me. That's what upholds me. That's what lifts my eyes to be a people of prayer, a people on mission, the people that God has called me to be. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up while I do. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we don't have to do any of this on our own. We thank you that you are a living God who reveals yourself to your people. I believe, Lord Jesus, that these things, these areas, are areas that you have called us to focus on as a church. And Lord, I pray as we've proclaimed them, as we've tried to make them clear now and throughout the year, that we as a people may be able to take them and run with them. That we as a people may be able to respond with great faith, believing that as we give ourselves to you, you will give yourself to us and you will do mighty things in this community. You'll do mighty things in our families. You'll do mighty things in our workplaces, in our schools, in our streets. Lord Jesus, I believe you have great things for us. And we want to lie ourselves down before you and say, have all of us, have our whole hearts, have our whole lives and give us everything we need that we might be your people living out your gospel here on this earth. We're going to stand together and sing a song of worship about God's grace being enough.